Good morning. Please keep that passage open. It's very short. Some of you might even memorise it. You won't even need to have it open. But I will be referring to it multiple times. So keep it open. It's crazy to think that once upon a time, we all thought that the Earth was the centre of the universe. That the planets and the sun and all the stars rotated around us. In the 1500s, this was the general consensus. People believed that this was the case. But there were a few few people, Galileo and Copernicus in particular, that were champions of a new idea. An idea that was considered strange and was ridiculed. The idea that the sun was the centre of our solar system and that we went around it. They were mocked and they were alienated by uh, many of their peers for this teaching. And at the time, they even were considered heretics against the Catholic Church. Many academics and religious leaders thought their teaching was backwards. And some believed them. Some believed that what they had to say was right. And they were also derided and mistreated for believing what these men were championing. I have the privilege of kicking off our summer series where we'll be looking at the Beatitudes and uh, this is Jesus' first major recorded discourse known as the Sermon on the Mount. Many people at this point in uh, Jesus' ministry, it was right at the start, thought that Jesus' teaching was also strange. Uh, It was contrary to what the message of the Jewish leadership was giving. Jesus was preaching a message of faith, and repentance. That was counter to what the Jewish leadership was teaching, which was obedience to the law. And Jesus found that many people came to listen to what he had to say, and a few of them even believed it and started trying to live the way that Jesus was describing. And they, as well as Jesus, were persecuted for this. This is still the case today. Right at the start of our passage... We hear that Jesus draws away from the crowds and he takes his disciples up onto a mountainside and begins to encourage them about the blessings of living, living the right side up in an upside down world. And I'm going to pray just before we start. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We know that living in your world can be hard, especially when it means trying to follow you. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to see the blessings of living right side up in an upside down world. Amen. All right, this uh, summer series, we're going to be thinking about blessings that the people of God have for following him, to being fully dependent on God. And the first one we're thinking about tonight, or today, I should say, uh, getting ready for six, uh, is in verse three, the poor in spirit and the blessing for them is the kingdom of heaven. So who are the poor in spirit? We, we looked really briefly at, uh, at Isaiah and it talked about God saying that he has the contrite, the lowly in spirit with him. I think contrite is a great way of describing uh, what the poor in spirit is. It's people who come before God fully acknowledging sinfulness and their need for mercy. And that's kind of the language that I'm going to use today in thinking about the poor in spirit are those who fully depend on God for mercy. 
Now, to be poor in spirit is to recognise that you are spiritually bankrupt, that your bank account, your spirit bank account before God is empty. It has nothing in there. And just like a child who has no money or a very small amount of money is dependent on their parents or their caregivers for whether it's an allowance or something to go to the movies, they give them money. We are like that with God. We have nothing to bring before him and we need what God has. And that is mercy for our salvation. To be poor in spirit is to recognise that you're in dire need of forgiveness. And the only way to receive it is through the mercy of God. Jesus gives us a fantastic description of the person who is poor in spirit in Luke 18. This is a fairly well-known parable that Jesus gives about the Pharisee and the tax collector who come to the temple to pray. And I've got it up on the screen here. And then we're going to focus on what the tax collector does. The tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And we don't know much about this tax collector. Just contextually and historically, we know that tax collectors weren't loved by the community. Uh, In fact, they were disliked. Um, They were treated poorly, partly because they they were well known to be cheating other people out of their money. Uh, And they were also, a lot of the time, the tax collectors were Jewish people and they were taking money from the Jews and giving it to the Romans. And the Jewish people didn't like this. So he was disliked, we know that. And he may not have been a very honest man. And when he comes to the temple, he stands at a distance. He doesn't go where there are crowds. He doesn't make any large gestures. He has plenty of money, but he doesn't come to the temple to try and pay for his sinfulness or to seek to explain his actions. He goes on his own to be alone with God. He's not looking to perform this action of repentance for anyone but God. And he trembles. He's not even feel like he's worthy to look up to heaven. And he asks simply, have mercy on me, a sinner. It is a simple recognition that he is a sinner. A recognition that brings nothing to the table. Something that is fully dependent on God for mercy. And it's a beautiful image of someone who is truly, has recognition of his spiritual poverty. Someone who is poor in spirit. Jesus in Luke 18 is describing a man who is fully aware of his place before God. For someone who is poor in spirit, This action of the tax collector should not just be the initial way we approach God. It it should be an attitude that is reflected in our entire lives. It's a continued state of being. The way we react to circumstances and relate to others will change if we are poor in spirit. Knowing that God has treated us this way, we will also try to be humble, be patient and be merciful. There is a challenge here to be like the tax man, to be poor in spirit. And this is for everybody because Romans 3 says, 3.23 says we are all in this same situation as the tax man. We're all sinful. We all need God's mercy because he demands perfection and we fall short. 
And that doesn't change. But sometimes when we become a Christian, we can forget that we're saved completely through God's mercy. And the things around us can distract us. It can be the things that we have, whether it's wealth or success, good family, good friends. We can start to feel like we've earned it. It can be the things that we do, completing acts of service, seeking to be a good person and kind to others. We need to check that we aren't getting a higher opinion of ourselves than we actually should. Because none of these things adds value to our spiritual bank account. Now, this is something that I can definitely struggle with, thinking that I'm doing great, serving at church or speaking to God, speaking to people about God, reading my Bible, praying, trying to be nice and kind to people. These things are great. Don't get me wrong, you should, we should try and do those things. But I can sometimes forget that I need to remember that I'm only considered blessed in this passage because of the mercy of God. I and we need to accept that we don't live up to God's perfect standards and we never will. And this should take us back to the tax man and remind us to continually approach God that way. We should remember that those who are blessed, those who are the poor in spirit, that they fully depend on God's mercy. Now, despite the challenge that's so obvious in this small bit of text, I need to make it very clear and go back to what I was saying before. Jesus is not preaching here a challenge to those around him, to his disciples to be more humble or to seek to be poorer in spirit. He is describing the type of person that is already part of the kingdom, the person who is blessed. And that is what the emphasis is on, the idea of the blessings that are received by those who humbly depend on God's mercy in their lives. Which brings me to my second point. The poor in spirit are part of God's family. That's the language that I'm using for being part of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is saying the poor in spirit receive the blessing of being part of his family. And being a child of God means that we share in the great blessings of God with Christ. Now, the blessings that we receive from God aren't to be confused with the way that people seem to consider what to be blessed means today. Uh, I've got a couple of ideas here, but... It's really popular at the moment to hashtag blessed. If you're an Instagram user or Facebook or some sort of social media, hashtag blessed is kind of like a, a label that you put on a picture or something as if to say, great thing, hashtag blessed. Don't get confused. Jesus isn't saying you'll get some nice stuff in your life when he talks about blessed here. Here's some examples of what I think people have missed what being blessed truly means. Hashtag blessed. I can make a smoothie out of these great things. Yeah, that's, that's being blessed. Hashtag blessed, buy yourself a puppy and be blessed. I caught this massive fish. It's not that massive. Hashtag blessed. I got some food that this guy or girl, I don't know who it is, thinks is for some reason makes them blessed. I don't think it even looks good. So <laughs> a bit, I think they're a bit confused. I, we don't want to get distracted by what people in this world think is a blessing. 
They're nothing in comparison to what God says is the blessing here in verse 3. This true blessing is way better than any asylum. It's being a member of the kingdom of heaven. And this is more than just a membership. It's, you're, you're part of the family of God. Paul puts it this way. If we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Being an heir means receiving all the blessings all the blessings and benefits of being a child in the family. And this means that we share in the same blessings that Christ is getting. We are co-heirs with Christ. And make a note that it is the present tense. Not in here, well, what is here, but also in verse 3. It's present tense. You are blessed. You are children. Oh, you are, yours is the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. It's happened, we're approved, we're in, it's confirmed. We're truly blessed right now by being part of God's family. We're able to pray to the Creator. We're able to join with believers and encourage and support each other knowing that we are unified through one Christ. We're given the Holy Spirit that I was, I was talking about earlier and Terry spoke about as well, that's helping us to be trained to be more like Jesus. But know this, all those blessings that we receive now are excellent, but it's going to get better. We only experience a taste of the blessings from God now, but it isn't fully realised until Jesus returns. I've got a picture here of... Uh, well, Murray and Sarah are up there, but I want to focus on the other two people who are up there. On the left-hand side of the picture, Ben and Eileen. Uh, these are childhood friends, um, and we went to New Zealand in 2011. And just prior to this trip, uh, we were told, uh, this was the first amongst the couples that are on the screen, that Eileen was going to have a baby. And this was the first amongst us all. Obviously, Murray and Sarah have heaps now. <laughs> But this is the first one. Um, and it was amazing for all of us that they would share that with us. We felt blessed that we could experience this, uh, this pregnancy with them. And we were able to share that joy. But what we were experiencing, even though it was great and it's to be celebrated, was nothing in comparison to the joy that Ben felt when he finally got to hold his daughter for the first time, Jemima. This blessing that we receive now from God, it's great, but it is nothing in comparison to what you will receive when Jesus returns. You are blessed now. You've been approved by God and he has welcomed you into his family. But sometimes it doesn't feel like this life is a blessing. Following Jesus and his teachings can, can affect our lives in what feels like really negative ways. For some of you, uh, it might mean being overlooked for a position at work because you make sure that you leave on time on a Tuesday or Wednesday or a Thursday to make sure that you can get to a growth group and that's frowned upon by your bosses. It might mean that you have less money uh, to buy presents or whatever it is or just groceries because you know that it is important to support the church financially. 
It might mean giving up your time on a third Friday or on a Tuesday for scripture or on a Sunday because you want to make sure that you are serving God through some sort of ministry and that means you give up some time of relaxation or your own fun. For many, maybe not in our circumstance, it means that they give up the opportunity to have a safe life, putting their own lives and their families' lives at danger, in danger, because of their professing faith in Christ. Living right side up in an upside down world can be really difficult. It can mean giving up a lot and going through hardship. But Jesus is trying to encourage his followers. This is worth it. You're blessed. Paul continues in Romans 8 to say that what we are experiencing is going to be worth it for what we will receive. In fact, he says that our present sufferings are not even worth comparing to what we will receive. And we know from the teachings of Jesus and the apostles that when we are raised in eternity, we're given new life, perfect bodies, no more pains, freedom from death and the fear of that, the fullness of peace and of joy, and most of all, being in community with God. We are blessed now. Even though it sometimes doesn't feel like it, we are, and even more so in the future. If we've been approved by God, we've been blessed to be part of his family. Then we can be comforted through struggles and encouraged to live for him through difficulty. Living a life that is fully dependent on God is hard. We need to recognise our spiritual bankruptcy. But we know that we are blessed now by becoming part of God's family. Galileo and Copernicus had a strange teaching. It really was at the time. The idea that the sun was the centre of our, uh, unit of our galaxy, our solar system, I should say, was strange. The world thought that they had it back to front. They had it upside down, if you will. But they had it right. It wasn't their teaching that was upside down. It was the way the rest of the world thought. If I was Galileo or Copernicus, it would probably make my job as a math teacher a lot easier. But if I was and someone came to me and said, your teaching is right, you will one day be approved by the world. You'll be accepted and you'll be praised for your tireless work and struggles. I will be so encouraged to continue in my work, in my teaching that I then knew was right and was going to be worth it in the long run. I'd be encouraged to not give up. And for those of you who follow Jesus, be encouraged. You're approved by God now. You are blessed. Continue to try and live for people who are poor in spirit. Continue to rely on God for mercy. Be encouraged that living for God is worth it. Be encouraged to live a life that is the right side up in an upside down world. Let me pray. Father, this life is hard and we do pray for Jesus' return. 
But I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be encouraged, to be comforted, to live lives that are poor in spirit, that are dependent on your mercy, knowing that we are blessed and that we'll be even more blessed when Jesus returns. Amen. We've seen that characteristic.